Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a brand new hot and spicy world building prompt for the rest of you today, coming in from a user by the name of John Doe. Um, Not a pseudonym, I assume, literally just their name. The prompt is as follows. I love fairy slash fae court young adult novels. They're sexy, otherworldly, and mischievous. So obviously they want us to build a setting based around that concept with the tenets, some of them being names should have power. There is a system of different courts and their beauty and art is dazzling. So a big thank you to uh, John Doe. So a big thank you to listener John Doe. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, submit a prompt, and we will build your world uh, within a reasonable amount of time, as long as it's not creepy or weird. And sometimes weird is okay, but just not uncomfortable weird. But uh, in addition to that, you can always follow us on social media over at Let's World Build on Twitter. You can come join our Discord and become part of our community. And if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon with a link for both of those in the descriptions. Plus, uh, this is the second time that I'm going to be referencing this, but we just started to put out patron-only episodes up on our Patreon. So if for some reason... Your uh, lust for world building cannot be sated by a regular podcast. Come and listen to us yammer on about whatever our patrons want us to talk about that month. So we should have an episode up already, and it should be uh, very interesting, kind of like a smash and spot. Anyway, go, go, go to our Patreon link in the description. Check it out. If you want to listen to it, you can give us any amount of money over on Patreon And for one, you'll get our undying gratitude, which should be payment enough. But two, you should also get a patron only episode. But on to the tenets. Uh, Now, normally I let one of my co-hosts go first, but this time I'm actually going to be doing something a little bit different. So I wanted to go first and introduce my first tenet, which is the Fae mimic or at least represent a natural cycle in the world and their mortal offspring represent the interstitial phase within that cycle. So Courtney and Daniel, what I want for you to do is I have two options and I want us to choose which of those phase cycles we want to focus on more. So I have for my options that I'm bringing to the table, the cycle of life and death, which is they'd have the court, the phase courts of birth and death. And then the interstitial nature, the, the, the mortals that represent the in-between would be growth and decay. The other option that I had was the sun and the moon with the mortals representing dawn and dusk. So I, I also love Fae and I love their tricksy, mischievous ways. And I wanted to stick to something fairly close to the folklore, keep them within the natural realm, but I wanted to do something that wasn't just seasons or wasn't just the fairly typical nature thing. So Courtney and Daniel, which of those options are you most interested in? That's a tough one because I like them both a lot. Um, I I guess I was (laughs) immediately drawn to the life and death one, but 
then hearing the like sun and moon i i think i'm leaning towards that one now daniel what do you think yeah i agree because i think sun and moon has more metaphorical explanatory mm. power like mm-hmm. the first one it tells us what it means right off the bat whereas the second mm-hmm. one we can decide what it means uh, not only that, but I was thinking that with the sun and the moon, because you can have dawn and dusk, even stars, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily shackle it to a fantasy-based setting either. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, not only that, guy. but I like the idea of like a star faring or in you know intergalactic style of fay as well. But uh, so I'm hearing from the both of you that sun and moon is what we want to go with, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again. Uh, you know, I, I, I do want to I do want to emphasize that these are natural cycles. So the the sun and the moon rising and setting and all that good stuff with dawn and dusk being the representatives in terms of like these half mortal half fey types, which could technically be elves. But we'll mm-hmm. get into that, I guess. That um can lead me to my tenant since you mentioned um, intergalactic space elves. Oh, <laughs> Oh, was that was that a setup for you, Daniel? Was I not anticipating your dive into the science fiction universe? Go right ahead. Well, you you're anticipating a dive into something, but it is not science fiction. In fact, um, oh one of my tenets is that the setting is modern day, either a portal novel or magical realism. That was actually my my other tenet. It was going to oh. be a modern, a modern day setting. Awesome. Oh, wow. <laughs> We haven't done modern day in quite a way. I can see, yeah. I can see why this is attractive to both of you. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so so, oh, good. so when you say modern day, let's kind of tamp that down a little bit more. Is it modern in the sense that there's magic or is it modern in the sense that this is the world as we know it and this is an alternate world where magic and the fae exist? Um. My thought is it's either a portal situation, so a portal novel, or it's magical realism. So in either of those cases, um, it would have to have the real world be involved, like the actual mm-hmm. literal world that's real. Mm-hmm. And we either have a separate world of magic or it's overlaid on the existing world. Okay, so I so it's there's some potential for like an urban fantasy element to it. Then. Yeah, so like mm-hmm. a portal novel, for those not familiar with it, that's like your Narnia situation where there is a, a parallel reality that has magic in it that it crosses over that you move between. Magical realism, on the other hand, takes kind of mundane reality and adds fantastical elements to it. But ultimately, it's, it's actually fundamentally mundane. Right. Mm-hmm. See... Um... Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, there's actually a lot of Latin American writers tend to drift into um, magical realism, but I would also argue that something like Piranesi by Susanna Clark is also magical realism. Um, but yeah, we can talk about that later. Uh, the focus, I think that Daniel's trying to emphasize with that aspect anyway, is on the mundane aspect. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, maybe we should get some more tenets before we kind of, uh, you know, kind of agree to one or the other. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. Let's yeah. get going. All right. I, mean, I don't really have any strong preference for either. Just that it's a modern day setting rather than your typical fantasy. Setting. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> cool with that. Yeah, absolutely. So Courtney, what is your, what was your tenet that Daniel didn't steal? <laughs> um, so playing off of the kind of requested tenets from the listener about words having power and Mm. art being beautiful 
Um, I wanted the magic to not just be based on like single words or names, but full lyrical compositions. So singers and poets are often like the most powerful magicians in the world. Interesting. Um, And that could also mean, for example, that like music played when troops are marching into battles, actually imbuing those soldiers with magical power or lullabies, like actually soothe babies with magic and so on. That's very cool. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm already like trying to create these narratives in my head of like the principal character being like a musician who somehow gets wrapped up in the fae. But we're I'm mm-hmm. jumping like seven <laughs> hours ahead of myself here. So yeah. Um all right, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit more about that. When you say that musical compositions are power in and of themselves, mm-hmm. it's not just about individual words, but like a collective is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, like um, thinking to stories like Wizard of Earthsea where it's where magic is based on like a single true name for something. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to kind of expand on that here where it's not just a single word, but combinations of words and how they mm. flow together um, has more of an impact. And is this a situation where the Fae or the Elves have like lyrical names or something like that? Because that is one of my favorite like tropes mm-hmm. among the Fae. Um, in my own setting, I have four Arch Fae who are representative of the seasons. Uh, I, Daniel, I know you've played it. I'm not sure if Courtney did, um, but it's they, they represent. Uh, the, and mind you, I think the names are pretty cool, which is why I'm going to say them aloud on the podcast. <laughs> but we had uh, Winter Wrapped in Iron. We had uh, Autumn kissed by starlight spring cast in shadow and summer caressed by zephyrs or something like that. So all Mm -hmm. these names that are like kind of ethereal and kind of otherworldly in that you have to say the whole thing in order to get Mm -hmm. their actual name, you know, nice question on your thing. And is it, um, restricted strictly to music or when you say lyrical, do you mean any language that's not um, technical? So it's creative language or poetry. Um, yeah, I had in mind like songs and poetry, although I mm. it could potentially expand into like prose if that's what you're going for. Like I'm wondering like if I, you know, if I write a passage that's lyrical, would that count? Is it the, really the quality of the magic of the narrative or is it mm. specifically the musical quality of the language? Daniel wants to know if his spoken word piece will be able to move <laughs> people with magic. I hate spoken word poetry. Just <laughs> <laughs> and this I say as someone with a minor in creative writing or like in poetry in particular. Yeah. 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 So so he has a right to hate those things because he threw yes. away money to get that degree. Just like <laughs> I'm about to. Thankfully, my undergrad degree was free. So I didn't have to pay for that bullshit. <laughs> um yeah good question i i could see it going that way potentially if it's like flowy enough of a language or i don't know invocative of imagery because i could imagine like if if we're saying their names are invocations of some kind of lyrical language right i could see a name not just being like a phrase but it could be like an elegy like i might have to Mm -hmm. perform something to utter their Mm -hmm. name so either I perform a song or I read this passage that's from this ancient text that represents them, or I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe there's some uh, some 
trying to think of some, you know, a long romantic poem or something to be cliched, but that mm. is equivalent to their name. See, that's, yeah. that's actually kind of really, in- and I'm sure that in like common parlance, you would probably use an honorific rather than their full name, but to evoke mm-hmm. them to like actually call them into being, you would have to, to recite the entire thing. Yeah, because I can imagine, mm-hmm. like, if, you know, I can typically in these stories, like, Rumble Stiltskin and all of them, it, mm-hmm. the, the implication of the name, if it doesn't take a long time and there's not a lot of risk, then it's pretty easy. But if you have to, like, perform something to deal with a, yeah. a fae creature, that makes it harder, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, it's also more purposeful as well. Right. Yeah, so if you're, like, trying to get the attention of something extremely powerful, you're going to have to, like, perform an entire saga poem, essentially. <laughs> an opera could you imagine <laughs> all right we're gonna take 12 hours to say this creature's name <laughs> but that's that's kind of cool though i think that's like a really f- interesting way mm-hmm. and not only that but like we're we're obviously kind of coming from like a, a mostly western aspect but we can also dip into like the arabic traditions of poetry or even like mm-hmm. a haiku or something like that where they're not necessarily sprawling but Mm-hmm. the purposefulness with which you speak those lines and those words in m- matter perhaps more than something else. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does to me. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, you know, we, well, like for example, right. You, it's like, Oh, you have, this is in a sonnet, but they don't tell you if it's a, a Tetrarchan sonnet or a traditional, you know, like English sonnet or something. What's it called? It's not English. What am I thinking of? Uh, do you mean like a, a sonnet from like Shakespeare? Yeah, it's but it. Yeah, but there's they're like the Tetrarchan sonnet is the one that's Italian. It's by Tetrarch, like he's the one who started, it and it has a different like schema than uh, the ones that Shakespeare used to. I don't remember the names of the two of them. It's fine. See, I can look it up see, though. Let's see. <laughs> This is why you don't get a master's degree in poetry. It's completely, you completely like lose it after a couple of years. I mean, my, we focused interestingly enough on form, on formalism, like when we were in undergrad, but again, that was how many years now? Um, 15 years ago. So, um, let me see. Uh, you, so you're the, asking what type of, I'm looking at real quick. Uh, for the listeners who have the bingo card, uh, you can mark off. Daniel is an ancient mummy. Uh, That'll count here. Oh, here we go. Petrarchan versus Shakespearean. So Shakespearean sonnets. Shakespearean. There we go. Shakespeare's goddamn sonnets. Okay. So they're both 14 lines. They're both iambic. Okay. So it's in terms of the the stresses. So like the Petrarchan sonnet is octaves and and a sestet. And then the Shakespearean one is um, three quadrants. So it's a difference in both. uh, Let's see. The optional difference in the Petrarchan sonnet's rhyme scheme. Um, right. And you treat the Volta at the end slightly differently. So it's a subtle formal yes. difference. Yes. Uh, I, I only bring this up because uh, I wrote a Petrarchan sonnet uh, mm-hmm. when I was in Italy because I was like, well, I was I was taking a course. Was a little ode to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was taking a creative writing course and they were like, well, you have to write a sonnet. I'm like, I'm going to write a Petrarchan sonnet because I'm literally in Rome so I might as well, you know, like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's only appropriate that I do this particular style. So the Petrarchan seems a bit harder than a Shakespearean sonnet. Uh, I mean, it was, I, I, I rhyme scheme like is mine. more complicated. Yes, somewhat. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
Oh man, I, I do I do miss poetry a little bit, but um, well, it's weird because most of the time in, my, in contemporary poetry, like seminars and classes, at least fifteen years ago, <laughs> you, they they tend to like not like form. And our professor was just bizarrely, she was like kind of horrified by us because we all wanted to do forms. And so we did that for a long time. We were all very bad at it. That's why we're not poets. <laughs> um, but I did enjoy it. And I would say to anyone who's interested in creative writing, definitely take a poetry course, even if you don't like poetry, because it will make yes. you a better creative writer. I would agree with that. The mm-hmm. uh, efficiency that you have to have with poetry teaches you to be a better writer overall. Yes. I would strongly yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, this has been Old Man Creative Writing Corner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're we're trying to create sexy elves here. So uh, who wants to bring up their next tenant? I mean, Daniel stole my my second. Oh, that's right, Daniel oh, so did buy you time. The jerk, yeah, to make up so, something else. Well, Courtney crams a new tenant as we discuss. So, Daniel, what's your second tenant? We'll start there. We'll go yeah. in reverse order. My second tenant is that the population of Fae is dwindling, or and or they are on the brink of extinction. Oh my. Okay, I'm cool with that. If that's the case, I think that is really interesting with my tenet that I that I started out with mm. because it's like there's an implication that there are half fae or at least or or at least mortal fae walking around with these like interstitial courts, right? Like the dusk and dawn. So does that mean that true fae are dying or near death or near extinction? But there's a lot more like mortal fae walking around or like half fae rather. Are we saying maybe that um, if because you're having you're distinguishing between like, uh, let's see, dusk and dawn are like the real fundamentals. Right. And then there's this intermediary space. So maybe. um, No, no. So, yeah, it's the opposite, actually. So the fae themselves, the pure blooded fae would represent the sun and the moon. That's in, it, yeah. In, yeah. 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 And the, in the, in between the, the mortals are the dusk and dawn. So, so yeah, I, I was going to say like, if, yeah, if, if the, the, the moon and the sun are the like original ones and there's an intermediary space, maybe since this is a modern setting, that's potentially a portal novel too. Maybe these half fae are the people that are in the regular worlds that some of them, and then they're the ones that are in the portal are the ones that are dying out who are, um, the moon and the sun. Interesting. Like there's, there's, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of different directions that we can take that type of story as well, where it's like, maybe, maybe there's a, I mean, if we're going portal novel with it, right. Then the way that I would kind of perceive that is, you know, the Fae are dying off. And so these mortals are all pouring out from the portal realm into the real world in a way, you know, mm-hmm. um, I or don't maybe know. like there's some communion with normal humans that creates half a, and that's what they're trying to do is perpetuate themselves in the mortal realm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, well, hmm. While we think, well, actually, let's get Courtney's idea. Courtney, are you still uh, panicking <laughs> about another tenet or can you? No, I, I think I've got one, I think. Okay. Oh, um, so rather than like the kind of human force moving into the, or wait, how would you put it? Sorry. Well, I, I was just thinking that like the, may, I, I had this concept that maybe the half fae or the half mortals are kind of 
trying to escape the portal realm of the Fae themselves. And they're mm-hmm. kind of pouring out maybe because the Fae, the Fae lands are dying or something like that. I don't know. Interesting. What if it was like different in that the the fairies had crossed over at some point into the human world and over time that's why they're dying out because mm-hmm. they've been away from their own realm for so long and that's their connection with their own world is weakening it's it's kind of like a um it's it's a lord of the rings elf situation yeah, where they've just got to yeah. go back on the boats right yeah mm-hmm. i mean you could have both you could have them having they're becoming weakened and dying out because they've left their realm they come from but perhaps that there is some interbreeding among humans and that's what's creating perhaps mm-hmm. the, the 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 protagonists which are the half humans who don't really understand what they really are that kind of thing mm. and maybe the half humans oh. are like kind of blessed in a way because they can exist in either realm without mm-hmm. using their strength oh they oh, can move yeah. between the portal yeah, yeah. and then yeah. that would it would also explain perhaps they're all very artsy types and and that there's a, a question of where their genius really or their their muse really comes mm-hmm. from maybe yeah. it has something to do with their origin mm-hmm. absolutely yeah um yeah okay cool i'm i'm glad that we that we kind of wrapped that in um because that's that's really interesting and not only that but we are subconsciously adding in the other uh court of the fae that i had in mind which is the cycle of life and death so we're kind of playing into that even though we're doing uh you know the sun and the moon which i think is cool i'm totally fine with that. yeah 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 so I guess I'll throw in my second tenet because I, I feel like we're at the point and I'm, I'll give Courtney a little bit more time to uh, scramble. <laughs> but uh, the other concept that I had is the only two ways to gain power amongst the Fae are through pranks or seduction. Uh, but their viewpoints of both are remarkably skewed and alien. How so? What do you mean? So... In, so the, the concepts that I kind of had in mind, right, is that if you want to impress someone of the Fae, or if you wanted to gain favor amongst the Fae, or even if you were a Fae yourself and wanted to essentially rank up, you would have to pull off a performance, like a prank, or seduce someone that was so impressive that it's like this, it's a, I, I'm, I'm keeping it kind of like vague and convoluted. Because mm-hmm. I want to allow for some alien strangeness to come in for the rules of the Fae. Uh, but essentially, right, when I, when I mean by their viewpoints of both pranks and seduction are skewed, is the prank could end up in someone being murdered, but mm-hmm. it has to be funny to the Fae in some way, <laughs> right? Like, it has to be kind of humorous. Or if you seduce someone, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're seducing them you know, sexually, it could mean that you have, oh, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's like a power structure thing where you've seduced them with money or you've seduced them with fame or something like that. And the way that you, and so both involve some level of planning and trickery and forethought where your, your conveyance of power is through superior uh you know intellect essentially that's kind of what i'm looking at so since this is like kind of a modern setting i'm now picturing some show that like a reality show that has to do with fairies pranking people oh and no how ridiculous yeah, no. that would be <laughs> <laughs> no 
that that sounds awful. Like that's it's just a prank, bro. Was the furthest thing that I had in my mind. <laughs> oh, here's a here's a thought. Um, so a couple of things. So if we can expand the what 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 is a prank fundamentally? A prank is something that amuses the prankster, right? Something and that's often meant humiliates to, the other. Yeah. It could it could humiliate them. Sometimes he, the person pranked also is amused by it too, even if they are humiliated. Yes. So there's yeah. a kind of there's a kind of of magic in the joy it invokes, right? Or the or the mm-hmm. potential like uh, disparagement, right? But fundamentally, a plank is a falsehood, right? Like what a prank. Yes. The way that prank works is you're doing something that's fake in order to produce something that's real, a real effect, right? So the amusement. Yes. So I'm wondering if this could be expanded. Maybe in the Fey world, the typical behavior is pranks, but maybe that could be expanded to be if you can create a falsehood that is that has a great lasting effect or the more of an effect it has, the more mm. powerful it is, the more interesting it is to them. So if you translate into the modern world, what could that be? And well, how could that be dangerous? Yeah. yeah, conspiracy, maybe yeah. like a scheme, you know, like a pyramid scheme or perhaps oh, yeah. like, you know, street art that mm-hmm. um, is like a Banksy situation. Those mm-hmm. might all be magical acts that are like mm-hmm. pranks from the perspective of the fact. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's a great interpretation of what I had in mind, Daniel. That's that's really mm-hmm. great. I mean, you could and, have a capitalist who is like an executive who who, pu- who pulls off this crazy scheme, like was it Gordon Gecko kind of scheme mm-hmm. that is a prank unto itself. But I wonder if the farther you get from the artistry, the more of a problem it is with the magic. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot that we can talk about there, but I mean, I'm sure that there are people out there who have heard that, you know, certain QAnon, you know, like ideas and concepts are pranks, right? Like the, the whole Ivermectin. Oh, yeah. like, there, there was that Absolutely. rumor going around where it's like Ivermectin was actually like a leftist prank on QAnon <laughs> folks, which is- Or like, like trolling. It's like, when does a, track, a prank become a troll, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like, I think because we can maybe lump in trolls with the Fae, like it mm-hmm. could have a literal meaning as well. <laughs> oh my God. Are, they the ultimate, yeah. are, are the Fae like the ultimate <laughs> trolls? Like the really original ones? I mean, like potentially, yeah. Oh my God. Not, Q right? is a Fae. The real cute yeah and it's like how much and maybe it's like there's different levels or different aspects to you know like the outcome of a prank so maybe it's Mm -hmm. like they're just feeding off the chaos in this case you know like yeah wow i can't believe that this person pulled off a prank that's now causing the deaths of thousands wow (laughs) and then like there's there's like fae who are just like clapping and like in awe of the master well i mean if you think about it like it doesn't have to i mean it can be nefarious but like if even if it killed people right in the end I think what they derive from it is that you did this thing that's false that produced such an effect, which really is the nature of art. Like we create a story to invoke mm-hmm. some feeling in someone that we felt potentially. So that's, and that's mm-hmm. the value of the strength of the story. So the strength of the prank is how much of an effect can we get out of this falsehood? And I mean, that speaks to the whole nature of the magical world, which is a falsehood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I have been telling Courtney and Daniel that I've been reading Jean Baudrillard's simulation and simulacra. And guess what, Daniel, that's directly applicative to what I'm talking about. But there you go. I, I want to move away from that because that's a little bit too esoteric even for me. But what I do want to talk about is maybe the perception of the prank and the seduction depends on the court of fae that you're trying to curry favor with. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if you're causing mayhem and chaos and like misery, maybe the fae of the moon are kind of into that. 
you know, like maybe it depends entirely on wh- who you're trying to impress. Right. I think yeah, so. I could the see nature that, of yeah. it, right? Yeah. 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 And um, it could also, Daniel, since you brought up like capitalist fairies, um, maybe that's part of like the corruption of the human worlds. Like, mm. and that's oh. what kind of takes them away from the artistry of their own realm. And that's why they're starting to die out because mm-hmm. they're sort of embracing these more human um, qualities than yeah. they would normally in their own world. Interesting. It's like a degrading of the art because I could see yeah, that like, yeah. you know, you really have to stretch things to say that a prank, a capitalist pl- prank, a, um, a corporate takeover while there is mm-hmm. some skill involved, it's so far removed from producing an effect that's, that's really art, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. and more artifice gets in the way of the genuine movement, the awe mm-hmm. right. that you might feel, uh, when, you know, otherwise perceiving some level of art. Um, like I'm picturing some like CEO who is in fact a fae who left a thousand years ago and has moved from company to company over the over the <laughs> ages and has forgotten what he is, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because he's so good at the craft that he's he, at the craft of business now. <laughs> I, I like to think uh, in my fantasy world that I can create and control that the original philosophers who enabled capitalism are the original arch fae and they're responsible <laughs> they are directly responsible yeah exactly <laughs> God damn it. Uh, unfortunately not the case but you know why not so i feel like nfts would tie in well here like getting people Holy to buy fuck. getting people yeah. to buy a link to Absolutely. an image for like thousands of dollars oh my god Courtney, you hit the nail on the fucking head <laughs> A thousand percent. Yes, absolutely. Oh god. I mean, what, what's neat too is like, depending on how this is told, you know, like y- you can pr- tell it from the perspective of regular people who may have certain certain talents. So, someone who is an NFT curator who knows that they're bullshitting people mm-hmm. and is coming to terms with that, but then suddenly the story takes this strange magical turn because they realize that their ability to create these NFTs and trick people is something more than just their skill, you know, and it's related to the other world. And then you get into Mm -hmm. all kinds of cool Mm -hmm. magical worlds and stuff. Yeah. And not only that, but I think, I think another aspect that we can kind of explore here is like with the concept and the onset of uh, algorithmic art, maybe that's also decaying the overall power and effectiveness of the Fae as well, you know, where Mm -hmm. as things start to become less and less, uh, from the spirit of the person of the of the artist, it's starting to like. It, it's like um, it's kind of like if the <laughs> Fae only ate a, a diet of like sugary cereals, where you know, like yeah, they could live off of it, but it's really bad for them and it's going to wither them away. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. And the joke, the original joke I was going to make is like the Daniel diet being nothing but candy. Um, <laughs> pre pre two thousand and fourteen. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing but candy and Coca Cola. It's like uh-huh. that's your yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you raise a question because then it's like, what's the role of technology in this this world? And I imagine, mm-hmm. in the classical fantasy sense, it's somehow opposed to the magic. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I think that there's something else there, right? That that takes away from it because with the, with the idea of like mass marketing artwork, you know, mass marketing, like the songs and everything actually, hold on. It, 
we've been kind of approaching this as like an NFT situation, but Mm -hmm. remember that there's also algorithmic songs and stuff like that coming out as well. Uh, So we can even talk about that aspect to it. I think what we might be able to explore is not, you know, the idea that technology is degrading to the, the magic, but this idea that this third force that removes the human element is like, that's what's degrading, what's decaying Mm -hmm. the overall, you know, Fay themselves like the automation aspect of it yes yeah exactly yeah that's what i was gonna say like technology enables a form of automation that's not typically yeah. possible you know mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. while using a computer is not a problem using the computer to automate um the creation of artwork could be because the artistry yeah. really lies in the, pro- the initial programmer and not the, pro- the execution of the program thereafter mm-hmm. exactly exactly right that, that and that's exactly what i was going for daniel yeah uh, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> that means that programmers can be artists. Oh, nice. Although we're really, we're just frauds. Don't even yeah. <laughs> self fraud. Mo- I mean, most most artists are. So wow. I think that's totally fine. <laughs> it's true. We're just especially <laughs> yeah. shitty. Like yeah, you guys but... only knew how shitty the internet is. Oh my God. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> As someone who's been on there for decades, Daniel, I I think I kind of get an idea. Yeah, it's, it's it's a, there's stories I can tell about how how it's basically piles of band aids and um, toothpicks that can be destroyed at any moment. But I would like you to be able to use your browsers with relative peace and serenity. <laughs> uh, and that's where our sponsor NordVPN comes. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that actually would be very fitting for everything that we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. Um, but okay, we've had this conversation going on for a while. I'm already seeing like the viewpoint in my mind is very fixed. I, I have some more questions, but I hope that we've also uh, burned enough time where Courtney can give us her final tenant. Courtney, what yes. do you have for us? Um, so it kind of does tie into what we were just talking about, but um, given that fairies have this reputation for being a bit mischievous and like prone to pranks and stuff, I thought that um, them having a love for games would be an interesting element to toss in. Um, oh, yeah. In terms of like, okay. it could be, you know, something as simple as like a board game or chess or whatever. Or we could, since we're in a modern world, go into like actual video games or more complicated mm-hmm. gambling systems and things like that. Um, but I the idea that. of like, I re- I really uh, do love. Can, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, the idea thought. of um, just a mix of like luck and skill involved in winning a game, and um, probably the satisfaction that they would get out of beating somebody. Oh like yeah. That. And I'm I'm going to avoid the obvious Squid Game Fairy Edition, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do love Please the do. idea that like you can basically have an escape room made by the Fae, and mm. it's like legit dangerous, and it's like yeah. oh you don't want to fuck with that, you know? Like there there's so much artistry that we can really mess around with with these games as well. I think that it really ties in well with what we've been talking about thematically. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I hadn't even thought yeah, of escape rooms, but that's that's a great one. I mean, think about MMORPG. Like that would be an interesting mm-hmm. meeting a fae, a real fae that that tends to reside in an MMORPG because that's how it's kind of uh, what do you call it um, evaporated into the modern world, having lost its 
life and mortality. And mm -hmm. you've got a character who's a player who's a half fae who discovers their true identity through the MMORPG. That'd be a, a crazy story. Mm -hmm. Daniel, if this were a shitty anime, uh, <laughs> here's what would happen is that a real life person would discover the portal to the fae world through oh, their MMO. Yeah. Yeah. And then they would be trapped in the Fey world. That's how uh, that's how an isekai anime would work. So if we if we roll everything's an anime on the twist list, Daniel, it's your fault because you brought mm. it up first. I, I just want to point that out there. In my life. <laughs> and of course, if you die, um, you would die in real life. Obviously. You die in real life. Yes, obviously. Yeah. yeah. What, what what are we hacks, Courtney? Come on. Of course, that's how it works. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot. Of, okay, so this is really, really fun. I'm loving, like, the, I, I, again, was not expecting a modern twist at all. Mm. But the more we talk about it, the more that everything really, I think, clicks and makes sense. And it's like, yes, absolutely. Why the fuck not? So I think with everything working as well as it is, I think now's the time that we roll for the world building anchor and we figure out something that's a little bit more solid about the world. Sounds good to me. All right, so for the world building anchor, the first thing that we're going to be focusing on is a hero, okay? The theme of the hero that we're going to be focusing on is mystery. Very appropriate for a uh, fae-based setting. Mm -hmm. uh, so where do we want to go from there? A hero who is an anchor piece to this setting that we have going on here. The theme is mystery. What do we want to focus on? I think it could be cool to have a sort of Robin Hood-esque uh, fairy figure who's been around now for centuries, but kind of keeps changing their identity over time. So mm. they never get caught. But um, as sort of a contrast to like the capitalist CEO fairies that we were talking about, but mm -hmm. um, somebody who kind of pranks like corporations and um, like powerful figures in the world. Like a Banksy, that's pretty much. But that's actually yeah. effective. That yeah, like I was gonna say that <laughs> nice. that yeah, where his critiques on capital are effective. Like they actually matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. Like we can make mm. an effective Banksy. Absolutely, that's a great concept. Uh, I, I feel like maybe we can look at it in terms of like mainstream art compared to uh, this is the underground, you know, and it and it does and maybe it doesn't necessarily have to just be art. Maybe he's also, maybe this Banksy figure is also a musician or, you know, like they're, they're creating, uh, you know, installation art pieces, you know, and their power comes from the consistent pranking slash seduction, I guess, of these various corporate figures, you know? I mean, since you mentioned the word seduction, you could try and make it a little, you also want an alien effect, maybe like, um it's not just one entity this fey like it 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 presents itself as multiple different things so it could present itself as like you know a group of of spray paint artists or like a group of musician musicians or a group of this and that and it, it seduces humans or half fey to join Ooh. it to help it perpetuate whatever yeah. it's trying to accomplish it's mm -hmm. it's an art collective yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or it's an algorithm, you know, like maybe it's like, it's not mm -hmm. like something you can pin down and the people who represent it are seduced to represent it. Mm. I like that. I, I'm getting like, for some reason I'm getting Andy Warhol and like the factory mm. vibes, you know? Yeah. Um, this also makes me think of um, this artist 
musician guy from uh, New York City. His he went by Ram LZ. He was this very like eccentric um, graffiti artist and writer and painter and sculptor and like made his own costumes out of all sorts of stuff and like came up with these characters that he would perform as and I could see that working as something um, for this figure like somebody very mm. just strange and sort of constantly changing their own identity into different people. I, I think the word that we've been dancing around this entire time is also avant-garde. Mm, I think yes, I think yes. we've been avoiding that for some reason. But yeah, that mm. sounds exactly what we're going for. Also, I've never heard of Ram LZ before, but that sounds dope and I got to look them up. <laughs> yeah, he's a very interesting guy. <laughs> How do we incorporate this art collective, this Ram LZ slash The Factory? Daniel, I like what you were saying about earlier where it's like, it's difficult to pin down because it's not an individual necessarily. It's about the collective in this way. Is it a literal hive mind in terms of like a fae or is it like a seductive lifestyle that is like stemmed from an individual? Like, I, because in my mind, right? Like if, if we're looking at this as like the, the, the prank side is basically like, you know, like the capitalists, right? And this kind of like artist collective are the seducers, essentially, right? Is that how we're approaching this whole different like courts of fae and stuff like that? Or am I just looking at it in a different angle? What are we thinking here? Um, I guess what I'm seeing is I, 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 we haven't really established what the antagonist is, but we seem to be hinting that the antagonist is some degradation of the ability to create pranks and to evoke uh, true emotions in people through false things, art, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing then that the um, this amalgamated uh, art group um, was probably opposed to, to art being degraded because, or to, which is which is the force mm -hmm. of capitalism in some way. So the businesses. So I'm wondering if maybe there, maybe in the within the Fey world, there's really more, there's a couple of courts. Maybe one court. Um, is almost trying to transplant itself into the real world through capitalism and business. But mm. by doing that, it's actually weakening everything for them. Mm. And there's one court that's rebelling against that by trying to pick up the, the half breeds, maybe breeding with them, the humans, to kind of get them on their side and save both worlds. You know, so the pranking is trying to remind you know, the old fae of what they were by pranking the things they've created, these falsehoods of, of mm -hmm. economy. And it's also reminding the humans that there is a magical world out there where you can create this kind of art. So maybe there's two courts. One is the old court that's bleeding away because of its alliance with like greed and, and capital. And then, mm -hmm. and the new court, which is trying to attract, you know, half elves and humans into its, into its, 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 um, you know, uh, what do you call it influence um mm -hmm. and it's it has to hide itself because it has these enemies on both sides i'm i'm hearing a lot of parallels between like cultural norms and cultural cycles as well so yeah. the way that i'm seeing this is that's like it's almost like there is a there's the retro side where it starts being cool again you know like there's genuine art genuine like avant-garde like fashion or or art or music. And then mm -hmm. there's a cycle where that plays out and it is no longer, you know, popular. And then there's the nostalgia for it. And then it cycles over and over again, right? Like 
we've seen cycles of 50s nostalgia, 80s nostalgia, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing something like that, like where you see parallels of the natural cycle with the fade, but from a cultural perspective as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is like you're saying, it's all natural. So, so maybe when we say natural as your, was your tenant, maybe it has something to do with the naturalness of culture and its evolution. Mm. That's see, I, I'm actually really glad that you said that, Daniel, because I love that. I was trying to figure out a way that we can have natural cycles in a yeah, you know, in in, a, in like a mm. in I and I mean that in the literal sense, like a nature cycle. But yeah. I was trying to figure out how to get away from that, and I think this is actually a really cool way that we can yeah. do that. Agreed. Where we can have cultural cycles that are also natural, but it's it, it just in a different way. That's re- that's really interesting. I think. Mm-hmm. I think too, like it's, there are things that are natural for humans, right? They're not necessarily natural for other animals. So this is kind of like we're social creatures or as we create culture, yeah. mm-hmm. not many other animals are, but that's natural for us. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I do want, and I think that we're going to be able to do this a little bit more next episode. I do want to make sure that we, delineate between the courts of the Fae a little bit more, because I think that that's something that is really important among traditional Fae. You know, you have the, the Sealy and Unsealy courts and they have, you know, strong delineations between the two. And I think that I'd like to do that a little bit more, but we are running out of time and we do have to roll for a twist. Is it going to be anime? (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) We can only hope, well, you and I can only hope, Courtney, but Daniel mm. can squirm uh, <laughs> and hope that it's not anime. Anyway, let's roll the die, see what we get. And our twist is, now add in some treachery. Oh, boy. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good one. That's I'm looking fun. forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Me too. All right. Uh, or Sorry, we can have a, one more thing. No. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that if, if remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. You can submit a link or you can submit a prompt, and we will build your world. Uh, unless it's creepy or weird, uh, and weird in a bad way. I, I want to emphasize that. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can always do so by going to at let's world build. You can also be part of our community by joining our discord, or if you're feeling particularly generous, or you want to hear those sweet, sweet Patreon only, uh, episodes, you can go to our Patreon, donate some money, uh, link for both of those in the description. That'll do it for this episode of World Build With Us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together until next week.